Efka, do you know that I am now a board game designer? You were a board game co-designer. It still counts. Does it? Yes. Okay. What did you des- co-design? I designed uh, with two other people. Okay. So, uh, with one in brackets, so yeah. maybe three. A game called Cuppy Flippy. I'm sure you... Flippy Cuppy? I can't remember. <laughs> it's Cuppy Flicky it's, too. Or Cuppy Flicky. I thought it's Flippy. No, it's Flicky. It's Fli- I know these things. Clearly, well, you, know, clearly game... you don't know the, your, the name of your own game. <laughs> the game is still in development. Right. Well, I, thankfully, people can find the rules of this game on Tom Brewster's Twitter in a picture. Also a co-designer. Welcome to Talk Cardboard, a podcast about board games and everything adjacent with Elaine and... Me, Efka. So we have maybe one or two more games than we normally have in a podcast episode this time. It's a slightly unusual Why episode. Why is that, Efka? We went to Germany, Essen, Spiel, or as it is now known, Spiel Essen. I don't know what the difference is. Well, it used to be Essen, Spiel. Now it's Spiel Essen. Oh, okay. I know, Does it right? make a difference? I don't. I, well, they changed the halls layout and everything. I, I was less concerned about the name than the artwork, so... Yeah, big, big boo-hoo on... Uh, what are they called? Mertz Verlag or whatever the company is. Shame on you for using AI artwork in promotional materials and draping them all over the halls and internet. Boo, boo. Anyway, we, we went... Because we, you know, had tickets and everything, uh, airplane tickets and hotel tickets. And we thought, it's time for us to go out, out of England and visit a different country. For the first time in three years. And maybe play some board games. And we did that. We had a lot of fun. We played, as you said, more board games in two days than we have in like yeah, a month. Yeah, different ones, yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. We've played so many games. I definitely played more games with more people than I've played in two years, probably. I know, right? <laughs> it was it was fantastic. We had a lovely time. We are very tired. And we thought, why not talk about all of them in one single episode? So that's what we're going to do. And not only that, Elaine, what else are we going to do? We will rank them. Uh, on how much loosely rank them although you think it's quite a strong rank i think it's a good ranking on how much we enjoyed them i and we're gonna start with the worst and end with the best and also we're gonna have a bonus episode we're gonna talk about some games that aren't available for purchase so like you know insider stuff for those of you on the hunt for the cool new board game (laughs) spoilers they're all trick takers First, we need to talk about a special mention of Carvey. Oh boy, Carvey. Uh, Carvey is a board game, Viking-themed rondelle Euro game from Hans im Gluck that I have got on Thursday. And then on Friday, I've set it up. I've learned the rules and it was on the table and we never played it. And then someone spilled a drink on it. <laughs> And then we we packed it up and Poor my boy Carvey just sits there unplayed. I'm sure there'll be more words on Carvey in the future. But for now, Carvey, uh, he's done a marvelous job. Away. Yeah, it's the one that got away. Uh, anyway, uh, what what's first on the ranking list? 
Before we go on to the ranking, we have to talk about a couple of games that didn't make the ranking, not because they were bad, but because they're older and it didn't seem fair to the ranking system. It didn't because one of them would trounce all of them. And that one is El Grande. We, there's a new edition of El Grande. Uh, it's a gorgeous edition. Uh, so Hans and Gluck, w- mentioning them once again, uh, did a fantastic job of reducing plastic. It's not plastic free because there's still shrink wrap on the box but you know all the cards are wrapped positive steps though yeah all the cards are wrapped in in like wax paper rather than shrink wrap um there's very little plastic in the box like the only plastic component i found was the little pips that join the dials together Mm -hmm. because i don't think they Mm -hmm. quite figured that out how to do it without like a plastic pip you know Mm -hmm. kind of because they need to yeah they need to squash through to connect yeah exactly i don't know how you do that without plastic maybe metal but that's you know that's heavy and expensive so anyway uh it's mostly plastic free nice little tug boxes that you compose and i'm sure we talked about el grande on the podcast before either in the main episode or bonus episode uh but el grande still a fantastic game from 1995 i want to say it's old yeah yeah uh you know would have been at the top of this list uh but it's a reprint so it goes it goes not in the ranking uh i also played a game called bruxelles uh 1893 uh, or brussels 1893 which is also a reprint uh, which is why we didn't want to put it in the main uh, ranking. Uh, it's it's a worker placement game with bidding, which I do not like bidding, uh, but it's not the main mechanism. So it was it's about like buying art and selling art, and there are these men that it's... help you on your journey. And I underranked the men, so I didn't do that well. <laughs> I was like, I How don't typical. need I don't need these people in my life. And I, and I did poorly. Elaine, what do you bid on in this game? I don't quite remember what, what we were bidding on. We played a lot of games and they've gone into like a an amalgam in my head. of, And I can't remember exactly which bit is from which game. So I don't know. I don't quite remember. But it was fun. Okay. It but that's fun. all I need to know. Like if it didn't leave a lasting enough impression out of all these games, then maybe Bruxelles, whatever the year is. Uh, I, 1893. 1893. Is it 1893? I thought it was like 1890. Uh, never mind. Um, I know. So. I All I remember about this game is how striking the cover was. And I always wanted to try it. And I always heard, it's all right. And I never did. And now you've played it. And a week later, you don't remember much about it. So that no, tells me what, all I need what to I know. Do rem- there was a good area majority bit in it, though, where you were placing people on oh that's what you were bidding for so <laughs> so you're bidding for the, the the places where you put your little people on uh, uh but there was a good area majority that we kind of almost forgot at times and then went ah oh, i didn't get mm-hmm. i didn't put enough people down in the same area um it was yeah it was good there was a lot to think about i maybe didn't have the brain power at that point to play it when i played it do you think i should try it yeah i think you'd enjoy it great I want to tell you very quickly about a little game called Nana, or as it's known in the version that is widely available, Trio. Uh, so this is a, a weird little card game that Pat Sylvester showed us uh, that is basically a memory game, right? Um, what happens in it is you you get dealt a hand of cards, and they're going to be numbers from like 1 to 12, I think. Uh, and you have, I think, 6, maybe 7, I think 7 cards or something like that. And... 
on your turn, there's also like some cards on the table and everyone's holding cards, right? On your turn, you can either flip a card from the table face up or ask a person um, what their lowest or highest card is, Mm -hmm. right? And so the whole thing is that you can keep doing this as long as you're hitting cards of the same value. And as soon as you get free of them, you get to rip them out of the table or people's hands and score them once, right? So they're out of the game and you've scored them. If you score it three times, you win. Mm -hmm. Or if you score free sevens, you win immediately because sevens are so hard because you can only ask for the lowest or the highest card, right? So, and, and that's kind of the game. So a lot of the game is like, I'll flip a card let's say, from the table. It's a 10. And then I'll ask Elaine, hey, Elaine, what's your highest card? You reveal 11, right? That's my turnover. That's it. I don't get to do anything. And also I can refer to my own hand. Let's say you had a 10 and the highest card in my hand was also a 10, right? I'd be like, oh, I'll pick myself and I'll say the highest card, take it out of my hand. You know, so I've got 10 from the table, 10 from you, 10 from myself. That's it. I scored once, Mm -hmm. right? That's it. That's kind of the game. It, It is... A memory game especially at higher player counts we played i think with six or something oh, like that uh-huh. so it was a lot of remembering whose whose lowest card was what whose highest card was what which card is which on the table because i think it's like two by four on the table or something like that so eight cards is a lot to remember i don't think it's as much of a memory game as that oink uh essen special game yes with, where you have a potential of having to remember uh Oink. 42 cards. Yeah, Oink, Itten, and uh, what was the third publisher? Sashi and Sashi. Sashi and Sashi, yeah. Uh, that was a little uh, game released by Oink, I think, that kind of conglomerated the games from all these three publishers into a memory game. It was fine. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's not as much of a memory game as that. It, it's clever. It's got these like cool little clever moments. You can pick up... Uh, trio very easily i think it's like 10 pounds or something like that and it's quite a clever little card game if you don't mind memory elements let's move on to the ranking so coming in at number 17 we have here comes the dog second edition so here comes the dog is from itin uh which is a japanese publisher that often produces games with really lovely components uh here comes the dog is Definitely a game with really lovely components. It's a game about the taming of dogs in the ancient times when <laughs> dogs were not tamed yet. Um, and so they would circle the fires until we would feed them and they would learn that actually we want to be friends as the two species mm-hmm. that likes to cook meat on the fire. <laughs> um, so it's like, I don't know, you roll a dice each turn and you take something from the fire or then you round ends and you have to feed the dogs or the dogs attack you. It was rubbish. So you, you it, played it was... this and I didn't, right? And I didn't understand when you were taking things out of the fire, did it matter if the fire collapsed or no? No, it didn't. No, There's no can... dexterity no, okay, element. All right. So the things in the fire are meat, charcoal and fire. Why would you um, give the dog charcoal? No, you want the charcoal. Oh, right. Right? Because you can exchange the charcoal for food. Oh, uh on a latter turn it didn't make it it was rubbish it was so it looked so pretty because you have this like very evocative fire piece in the center and and, and you have like people surrounding it and like dogs surrounding the people like the pieces are wonderful the game 
is poo-poo. <laughs> I did not appreciate so sorry. it. In 16, we have Stitch for Stitch. So when our friend got this game out, I was like, oh, it's Guess Who? And he went, you're not super wrong there. Uh, because you are trying to deduce uh, who committed a crime. It's like a kind of guess who crossed with... Mysterium? Cluedo or something, where you're having to guess the person. Oh, yeah, maybe Mysterium, uh, where you're guessing the person and the weapon that they've done it with. But then, once you've guessed, the game does not stop because it's also a trick taker. Yeah, that's the weird part of the game. So you're using trick... One person is always, like, the person that knows the information, and they have to play tricks in such a way as to obfuscate what the trump is. Because the weapon and the murderer are suits and like symbols on cards uh -huh. and if they are the weapon or the murderer this you know the symbols or the suits then they are trump but only the person who knows the information knows that they are trump so they have when you play a hand of a trick-taking game they have to say who wins because it might not be evident right based on glean information from that yeah and they also have to play the trick-taking game themselves it was weird it felt like two good ideas that were each not executed well and then glued together it just didn't work i did feel a bit sorry for it because it's clearly a very small publisher i don't know who the publisher is i don't remember but mm. it's clearly a very small publisher and the components were awful like the first time uh we got something out of the box it had torn yeah so um I, I, the artwork wasn't great either no i i feel a little bit sorry for it and i think it, it has potential like if it could be I don't know, smoothed out, if both the elements could be amalgamated a little bit better. I don't know. It's just a game that needs more work. Cool idea, doesn't work. At 15, we have Sunrise Lane, which is also a game that you played, which I did not. It's a first Knizia entry in uh, this Spiel roundup. And Knizia doesn't always design a good game. Uh, this is a re-implementation of the game. So the people who made it, which is Horrible Guild, which is a publisher I really like and I appreciate their output, uh, I don't know why they picked this up. They made a lovely looking production of Sunrise Lane. Uh, but it, it looks super. It yeah. looks super. It has some issues, uh, even the production itself, oh. right? So uh, the idea is that you're basically building buildings, right? And you there's a ticket to ride style mechanism of you either play cards or you draw cards uh, on your turn. And when you play cards, you want to match the color of the space that you are putting the pieces on. And where you're putting the pieces on, and so you're building a city, right, effectively. So you're building like buildings. Where you're putting the pieces on, each space has a point value, right? So for example, let's say there's a green space with two, and then a yellow space with one, and then a blue space with three. I could play green, yellow, blue, mm -hmm. and build one building on each. And then I would get two, one, plus three, six victory points. Or if I had in my hand, say, one green, one yellow, and three blue, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, right? I could build one building on green, one building on yellow, that's three victory points, then three buildings on blue, because I played three blue cards, mm -hmm. and they stack on top of one mm -hmm. another. And that would multiply the points I get from it. Um, so it would be plus nine points, yeah. right? So it's all about kind of sculpting the perfect hand, 
But unlike Ticket to Ride, you can't even sculpt the hand because there's a hand size of five. So you don't you don't get these satisfying big kablooms. You did not look like you were having an exciting time. We were miserable. So you this, looked miserable. There's some extra elements like uh, who, areas where you want to have the biggest building, areas where you want to have the most building, and then you want to also have the longest chain of buildings. It was really pedestrian. It was fine. I think maybe Horrible Guild, someone at Horrible Guild maybe really liked the original version of this game, which I can't even remember the title of. But I thought it was okay. Is the original version an older game? Or? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so this is a reprint of a Knizia. I see. It was fine. I uh, All the other Knizia games on this list are better. At 14, we have Couture. There's a bit of a caveat with this game because we did not finish it. Um, That's true. Because I don't know why we didn't finish it. I think we just ran out of steam with it. Yeah, uh, because... I think people were not like engaging with it very much. No, it was a strange game. It was a, a card game where you're trying to collect things and you're, um, you're bidding uh, on three different cities, New York, Paris and London or Tokyo. I can't remember what the third city was. But you're kind of bidding your cards and then you will... If you win the bid, you will get to take something from that. If you're second, you might get to take something and so on. Uh, but And some of the cards are negative cards, so you might not want to be left with them. So you mm. are kind of working out, do I bid high because I really want a card or do I bid high because I don't want one of these cards and I don't want it to be the one that I have to take? And it was very strange because there were some set collection elements to it where uh, you had to collect like a pair of trainers and you only got one trainer at a time and then yeah. you would get points based on that and then there was this other element where you had to fulfill like these objectives uh, that that's where that the game lost me a bit i didn't understand why i needed to fulfill these magazine objectives because well, they gave you the points it, right it, but that was all it was like yeah. oh yeah okay it's to get the points i i it was okay uh we just yeah ran out of steam a bit on it i liked it more than everyone else at the table i thought it was half of a good Knizia uh, bidding auctioning game, right? It's just the scoring mechanisms weren't particularly interesting. It's not a Knizia game. It's just, not a Knizia game. Just for anyone listening yeah. that's confused. It's not a Knizia, but it is that Knizia realm of, sure. of games, you know, that sort of style. I thought, I thought a lot of it was clever, and I wonder if repeated plays would make it shine a little bit more. There's some nice elements. So your hand is like bidding cards and you arrange them. You have these spacers that are the free cities. Yes. And like, so one card is New York, Paris, and the other one is Paris, Tokyo. And so you arrange all your cards between these two cards to say how much you're bidding in each. And then you reveal your hand. There's a nice bit of showmanship there. Yeah. Um, there's also this cool bit that you don't just bid on cards that score you points. You can also bid on cards that will go into a hand which will be better bidding uh cards yes for the future. or uh cards that specifically add towards specific elements and you could take a zero bidding card but it gives you points and it lets you bluff like the, hmm. i i think there's a lot of hidden depth in this game and we were playing it in the wrong environment i think so yeah i i think the way we learned it and played it was not necessarily the best uh, I would like to play it again. We have a copy of it, so you know I'd quite happily play it again. Not in a very busy, very loud <laughs> environment where we've had like two hours of sleep. Well, also what doesn't help, this is from publisher Allplay, they are notoriously bad at rulebooks. Mm. They will make rulebooks too short on purpose f f as a as their thing. I, I don't get the thing. The rulebooks are bad 
And when you have this short rulebook and you're trying to teach people and you don't quite understand how the game works from the rulebook, that's a big no-no. Which is especially not helpful when you're in like a high pressure environment like that, where you've got three other people sitting around a table waiting for you to learn the game because you think, oh, it's only a small rule book. It's short. You know, I can learn this. And then the rule book is bad and mm. then you can't learn it. And it's it, I think that's a real a real pitta. What's a pitta? Well, it's an acronym for a certain type of pain in a location. Okay, I'm not saying pitta. It's weird. <laughs> I just came up with that. At 13, we have Ninja Master, which is a Kinesia. Yeah, it's a weird Kinesia. So, okay, I, I think maybe it's too high, honestly. <laughs> I think maybe it's too high because all this game is... Because you really is, liked it. I did like it. So this is from Itten and he comes in a, in a sort of a, like, very, very long and thin box, mm -hmm. effectively. Uh, it's a small box as well. Uh, it's, it's very cute. It's about... Uh, grabbing things very fast that's the game it's so imagine that game that you know where everyone grabs things very fast like any of those games that you've played but it's designed by Kinesia, right that's that's the selling it's like point hungry hippos except it's your hand like moving into the grab the meeples rather than hippo. yeah so the idea is that uh, one person rolls the dice onto the center space on the table and then all the people uh, as soon as the dice are rolled, you can start grabbing things. You can grab the ninjas. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, for example, if you grab a blue ninja, then you will score the number of blue symbols on the dice. Mm -hmm. However, if one of the symbols is a blue cloud, then you'll score that many negative points. So you don't know whether you're grabbing positive points or negative <laughs> points. You can grab a sword, in which case you'll steal some points from someone. And then you can also shout out the number, any number. You can shout out any number. But if you're correct, and the total number of ninja symbols on the dice is that number, then you will score you some points, points as well. I just kept shouting out numbers. <laughs> yeah, but that scored you negative points. Oh, but I was doing so badly anyway. Didn't because, matter. Okay, so this is not a game to play if uh, your dexterity is not that high that yeah. day. If you're not having a good fingers day, it's it makes it much harder. Because I don't know if you did this too, but when I went to grab something, I was grabbing two at a time. Yeah, but that's uh, good. <laughs> you want to grab two. But you're not supposed things. to. You're only allowed to grab one one no, thing. you can grab as many as oh, you, you want. I think so. I, I don't think, I that's don't, the I think rule. we were cheating. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, and also also the the arena is this little cardboard arena. It's very thin. It's like you know half a centimeter thick, mm. uh, like length, uh, and it moves around the table yeah. like we were grabbing it and the, and the whole arena was flying off. It was. It really was. It was funny. I mean, it was funny. It was funny. And I think as a little party game, it, it was punching a little bit above and its I, weight. I may have had a couple of sherbets by then anyway. So it was quite a good game to be playing then. I, I think I was having mojitos that day. So mm. I was I was primed for it. <laughs> I was primed to enjoy it. It was all right. I liked it. I think... As a grab things fast game, it was fine. At number 12, we have Havalandi, which is another Kinesia game, but one that I played and you did not. Is this the highest? No, this isn't the highest ranked Kinesia on this list, it's is it? It's not, the, because there's one There's more. one more, yeah. <laughs> which, and one that we brought home and never played, we, so it's not on this list, which is Mlem Space Agency. So 
that's not on the list. We're not ranking that, letting people know. So, Elaine, all I know about Havilandi is, is that there's a air balloon. I remember. And, and what do you want a balloon to do? You want it to land. No, so you have a landy. Oh, I see. Oh, my goodness. It was a setup for a joke this entire time. Uh, Is that, I don't know what it means. I don't know what Havilandi means. Havilandi. But, but no. You Like mean, have a banana. <laughs> what? Uh, but no, you don't want the balloon to land. You want it to take off. The balloons are already on the ground. You want them to go up. Are That's you saying that point. it should have been called don't have a landy? I have a have a uppy. uppy yeah. <laughs> That's no, that doesn't sound right. I don't know what it means. Um but it's a game where you are uh placing your balloons on a it's kind of a grid and you're trying to place uh balloons next to each other. Well, you have to kind of place balloons next to each other, but this this kind of dirigible thing moves around the board and tells you where you you roll a dice move this dirigible thing and that tells you where you can place so you can place like it has two arrows coming off it and you can place in that line or that line but they can also be next to another thing that you have placed instead as long as it's on the same type of terrain so I think there are four or five I think there are five different types of terrain um on this board and so they don't have to go down those paths if it is something next to something that is on the same terrain um, and then you can launch the balloons and you get more points uh, for the more different types of terrains that you launch these balloons in that are all connected together but you must always have a balloon on the gravel path for some reason uh, and then that will allow you to launch everything else. And I don't know why that's the case. And then there's some like end game scoring as well, like having the most launched balloons or having the most balloons together in a group, you know, stuff like that. You don't sound particularly inspired or interested. So I think Tom was playing. I was played this game with Tom, uh, lovely Tom from Shut Up and Sit Down. And Tom took this game away because he developed this strategy, which I don't think he meant to. Uh, but he developed the strategy to just build everything all together. So the board is kind of triangular. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the corners or two of the corners, in fact, are just sand. And he started building in this sand area. And because when you place the next balloon, you don't have to place it uh, along the lines that the dirigible points do. You can place it next to something you've already played as long as it's within the same terrain. He just took it away because he was like, right, I do this one, I do this one, I do this one, I do this one. And he just had this massive area of balloons and we were all just like putting balloons everywhere on the board. Uh, and, and he just took the game, he, he took off. I'll be honest with you, it sounds like a fever dream. There's <laughs> balloons, dirigible sand... Canizia points. Or it, I, I, maybe it wasn't a dirigible that moved around. Maybe it's the no, it's the wind. It was the wind that moved around. Okay. The wind blew in different directions, and I don't know why you could place your balloon there because you were placing the balloon on the ground. It didn't make any sense, um, and it felt yeah, it it felt like a fever dream playing it. I didn't not enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed the game that we had, but I'm not sure that I would rush to play it again. All I know is that I got some very dirty looks because. I was on the other side playing trio mm -hmm. uh, and then people were pay playing the 
order overload game from uh, Oink. <laughs> yeah. And w- we were laughing, right? And your side of the table looked miserable. We were and you so were, serious about and, launching the balloons. And every time you looked at us, you gave us this really <laughs> dirty look. Like, how dare you laugh? Why are you having fun? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a dry struggle of a game i think we didn't have the hilarity that you seem to be having on the rest of the table well there you go don't have a landy is our verdict at number 11 we have tangram city oh we both played this didn't we, did. we? so this is from uwe rosenberg and whilst it's not a Knizia, it's probably an answer to Knizia. it's almost like a game that was designed to riff on my city, Reiner Knizia's uh, legacy game. Tangram City is not a legacy game. Tangram City no. is just build a city, but with, with tangrams. tangrams, which I kept forgetting the word for and kept calling them Tetra Packs. Um, which is a type of carton. And also can be if, if, if you sort of like you know, un- undo one bit and point it upwards. It looks like it a 3D a tangram, tangram, right? That's true. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so Tangram City, like, is just a tile-laying game where you're trying to be very efficient about laying tiles. The tiles you're going to... There's various different Tangram shapes, uh, which are, like, basically squares with a triangle added to it, if you don't uh-huh. know what a Tangram is. Uh so, uh, yeah, you'll get a card, and that card says you're going to place this piece. Everyone's going to place this piece this round. But everyone gets a card, and the last two people have to share a card between them. And there's also one card flip randomly off the top. So mm-hmm. this, the first shape, no one knows what it's going to be, but you all see it immediately, and then you place it. And then one person flips their card in turn order over and that's the shape everyone's so everyone placing has an idea of one of the things that are going to come at one of the shapes exactly but most of the shapes are very annoying um <laughs> and they point in the wrong directions yes uh, <laughs> but you can flip it into the right direction but then there's it's it's either a park on one side or a city on the other side and you want to have like a perfect balance of parks and cities yes and you also want to have by the end of the round the largest rectangle so because that's going to score you extra points and then you also want to fill up the entire board because... That's I, points. That's points, yeah. If you fill up the entire board, it's points. 15 points, I think it was, or something. Yes, you get a bonus. You get the patchwork bonus. If you do the 7x7, seven <laughs> seven, like literally like in patchwork, uh-huh, uh-huh. you get a 15-point bonus. So it was fine. I didn't like it. But everyone else on the table enjoyed it more than I did, including you. Which I was surprised by because you didn't like my city that much. No, I'm just not very good at visualising shapes. Um, so it's it's never a game that I do very well at. But I don't dislike... I, I liked how uh, everyone knew already something that was going to come out. So it wasn't totally secret information. But there was one card that was always secret information. And also you knew what was left in the deck because once you'd taken the pieces uh, for this round... They were gone. It wasn't like there was multiples of all of them. So you knew roughly what was going to come out next. So that that I quite enjoyed about it. And I enjoyed the artwork. The artwork's nice. It's it's a nice looking game. My criticism of uh, Tangram City is that I think you're going to play it out quite quick. Like, it felt like a puzzle that you can... Oh, I don't want to say solve, but... You, like, you get the idea. Like, you, you can learn to be good Efficient. at this game where, yeah, like, the, the range between... 
I'm winning and I'm not winning is so minuscule, you know, like where everyone just kind of goes, oh, okay, this piece would work with that piece. Because every every piece comes out a certain number of times, once or twice yeah. in the entire game. So you can sort of visualize the layout that's going to get you towards that bigger rectangle every round. And I don't know, it just felt like a puzzle that I've seen one time too many mm -hmm. and I'm just okay not playing it. It was nice. And I think people, no one who's going to play this is not, not not gonna enjoy it right but uh wait no that's that not was, in that was too many uh negatives <laughs> I think. no yeah no that's fine not right? not gonna enjoy it okay, that's yeah, okay. they will enjoy it you no know one but who's gonna play this will not not enjoy it correct okay yeah right okay. <laughs> but i will say that well obviously also with the caveat that you have to want a tile laying game right yeah. a simple tile laying game but otherwise, I, I just, apart from the idea of tangrams, there weren't any bells or whistles there that made it any special or, you know, super interesting. At number 10, we have Quicksand. This is from uh, publisher Horrible Guild, and they had two games out this year, apart from various similar expansions. Um... And this is the one I liked a lot more. Now, it's at number... T I think it's good. It's at number 10 because you were just like, nah. I didn't enjoy it that, that much, no. I, I thought it was quite clever. So this is a real-time uh, sand timer game. And it's called Quicksand because <laughs> the sand go down quick. Like and quick also, time. also, it's sort of... I think the thematic idea is that you're trying to climb out of quicksand. I don't know. Before the time runs out. I, maybe. Yeah. What a dark theme. <laughs> it is. So all you're trying to do in this game is move sand timers. Yeah. And you need to keep this balance between them so they never run out. And every time it's your turn, you have to play one card. That card could have a color or a shape. And then uh, each sand timer is placed in a circle on tiles that both have a shape and a color right and if your sand timer is on the color or shape that you've just played you it flips it. and moves one space right and so it's all about sort of timing because it's an open information game you can talk with each other you know yeah. you can say i have these cards what do you have but you don't have that long to talk because the sand time it's not like uh, you start the round and then stop it because the sand times are still ticking down the yeah, entire time. They never stop they never ticking. Stop. And that's what I really liked about it. There's a constant pace of pressure, but it's not so high that it doesn't give you time to communicate, you know? There's a very nice tempo to it where it's like, huh, 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 huh. You know, like... That was nice. Yeah, it, it never overwhelms you. And obviously, like, we're not playing at that speed that I just intonated, but... <laughs> But like, I'm hoping it was to... more like, huh, huh, huh. Yeah, <laughs> right. And you have you have time between each player's turn to quickly say, "Hey, do you have something?" Mm -hmm. And they go, "No." Well, they play anything; it doesn't yeah. matter. Then well, the next they person can say, plays. Oh, I've I've got something really good for this. This yes, yeah. yes. Or yeah. someone will shout like uh, from you know like the other end of the table, and they'll <laughs> say like, "I have something good," and you're like. But you're far away, so we might just, like, play duff cards very quickly to get to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll play the card, and then it'll move the sand timers. Uh, it's not... I, there's, like, a bunch of scenarios. There's also, yes. like, a little mini expansion that gives you the death timer. Yeah, because uh, it's, like, three seconds long or something. No, yeah. it's not three seconds long. It's just that if it runs out, 
then you lose instantly. Oh, I see. I Whereas see. in the basic game, you if a sand timer, them. yeah, you can rescue yeah. a sand timer. Yeah. Uh, there's also this nice bit where, like, if they get to the end, you can't move them and they can't run out. So if if you're pushing one timer, like just all the way to the end that's not going to work because you have to balance all three of them yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's nice i like we it. played the initial scenario and it was fine i don't feel like i want to ramp up the difficulty anymore <laughs> we finished with like a second left I or know. something like that it was nice but the thing is that's one of that's the nice reason about having like many scenarios is that the more you play something like that the better you get at it right and yeah, you want that sure. up challenge i i think it's a nice little game and if you like the idea of real-time cooperative kind of moving sand timers around it's good i think it's designed very well it's a concept game and if the concept sounds good the game is good if the concept does not sound good stay away and number nine we have extravaganza which I played, but you did not. Extravaganza is a game about um, lip sync battles, which I've learned is a thing that happens in real drag shows. This is a game about putting on a drag show and not singing. You don't actually sing. You just have to lip sync. But there is no actual lip syncing in it. You just you just get a tile and it has some lyrics on it and it's sort of set collection of, of lyrics. But you're, you're going, you've got each got a drag queen. Mine was called modern tart uh, so you can pick nice. your drag queen on like the name and the the look that you want to go for um and then you are moving around this this little board uh, that has gems on it and you are collecting the gems uh, and you move you you move like a queen in chess which uh-huh. i thought was quite uh-huh, appropriate that's good. uh so you can move in any direction uh, but and you can move as many number of spaces as you want to. Uh, but the gem that you land on, say it's a blue gem, you will be able to collect all of the blue gems that you have passed through on that move. And you want to collect the same color gems because they will allow you to play cards um, and the cards will do various things that will get you more lips because you have to collect lips in order to do the singing. <laughs> it's it's out there. It is really out there. It sounds like almost like when you're playing Guitar Hero and you hit the right note and it's like, you know, sparkles fly across the <laughs> That's air. That's how it felt, like, yeah. like you're scoring points and you're collecting... Because you're collecting resources in this, right? Yeah, lips. Yeah, lips. And, yeah. and um, gems. And gems, yeah. No, that, that sounds out there. Is the game good? I didn't have a bad time playing it. Um, I don't think it necessarily does anything that we haven't seen in games before. But, uh, you know, you're collecting, you're set collecting and you're uh, collecting resources and using those resources to pay for other things and getting points. Um, but it does some of those in in a clever way, uh, and I think I think the replayability of it would be good if you enjoy that kind of setting. Uh, I think the replayability would be good. So it's more setting than game. Like games, all right, setting great. It's it's a decent game, it, mm. but it's just not the best game. And it's and like I said, you know, I don't think it does anything extravagant uh, with with any of the mechanisms but what i really liked about it was that if you're someone who really likes rupaul's drag race or the drag shows and you've never played a board game it might be something that might get you into it It, i don't think nice i think you would need someone who already knew how to play the game 
I'm not sure it would be good for a very, very, very beginner who's never, ever played a board game before. Mm-hmm. But if you've played a few board games, um, then I think it would be fine. And I, I like that about it. Number eight, we have Nuts A Go Go. This is so <laughs> silly. This was, I think this wins the prize for the most ridiculous game this on is, this Yeah, list. this is the stupidest game, definitely. I really enjoyed it. Mr. This... Peanut or whatever his no, name no. was. No, no, Antonio Ant- Peanuts. <laughs> Antonio. I don't know. It's so <laughs> random. It's, uh, it's this is the first player marker, which is a a, a human peanut. <laughs> it's a, quite a big chunky wooden piece as well, and his name is Antonio P. Nuts. Nuts. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Nuts a go go is from Itin. I want to say. And it's a box full of nuts, like literally. Like, I mean, they're not real nuts. No, yeah, they are wooden nuts, but there's mushroom nuts, baby nuts. Cone nuts. Uh, cone nuts. Dice nuts. Ring nuts. Ring nuts. <laughs> yeah, like the nuts aren't even <laughs> real. No, they're not nut shaped. Yeah. They're just wooden pieces. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but you also have a paper cup, a tiny paper cup. And obscenely tiny like paper a shot cup. Glass. Yeah, like a shot glass. And you need to fit like the most nuts in it. <laughs> Into the cup. Much like Ninja Masters before it, this is a game where you grab things as fast as you can and as many as you can. And you have all these different shape of nuts and you put them in your cup, right? And anything that spills out, you don't get to have. Uh at one point a person can grab antonio peanuts <laughs> and they shout antonio peanuts <laughs> at which point a countdown of 10 starts and if you're not been finished by 10 you have to stop grabbing nuts which is way more time than anyone needs but the last person <laughs> to grab nuts will have to give one nut to the person who took antonio peanuts and even if they can't fit it in their cup apparently that's fine oh yeah so uh then this is where the game begins right you you kind of cover up your cup of nuts and spill them out and then starting with the person who grabbed antonio they take out one shape and everyone has to present that shape from the nuts that they've grabbed if if they can't they've lost Mm -hmm. that's it they're out of the game and you keep doing that (laughs) <laughs> until so you want a mixture of nuts yeah you want you want cup. you want like an even mixture of shapes that you can always present a different shape and the person who presents the nut always rotates so it's like you know one person does a barrel nut and everyone oh, has yeah, to barrel nut there is too. a barrel nut yeah <laughs> everyone has to present a barrel nut if they don't have it they're out of the game uh, then the next person presents a cone nut <laughs> But but the weird part it's, was that you could there were so there were bigger cones and smaller cones yes and you could present either yeah it's as fine long as if, it was a cone nut, if you grabbed small if you fine. took time to grab smaller mm. pieces you know like you could fit more of them in your cup whereas everyone outrageously goes ah grab the nuts quick you can be like a little bit more methodical because you have at least ten seconds mm. to to grab the nuts that you need to fill your cup right it's plenty of time yeah, it really is yeah yeah no it's it's good I, I it's very funny there's we played a variant as well where you have to 
present the nuts by grabbing them with one finger from your cup like with one hand but effectively the cup is so small you could only fit like maximum two fingers in it but you are allowed to hold on to the cup with your like thumb yes whilst you scoop out yeah. the nut with your finger that's but if okay. you scoop out something extra that's, oh, that's out of it. your it's cup gone. yeah, yeah you can't <laughs> have it yeah it's very funny i had such a blast playing this most people were like well this is fine for a game that you play once and I don't disagree, but also I just, you know, at the end of a game night, if you say, can we play Nuts A Go Go? And I don't see people saying no, you know, because I, it's I so... I think people uh, would like to play this more than just once. Yeah. I, don't, I think that's not true. I don't think people would just go, oh, yeah, that was fine. Go away now. It's the best game from it and I played that isn't Crash Octopus. I, that's that's what I would say. And number seven, we have the last Knizia on this list. It is Viking Seesaw. Another Itten title. So uh, this this is the best. Knizia. Knizia on the list. I guess this is better than Natsagogo. I said this, this. I just lied in the previous segment. I said this is the best Itten game that's not <laughs> Crash Octopus. And then we have another one. So, okay, this is the second best. Natsagogo was the second best Itten game that isn't Crash Octopus. I forgot about Viking Seesaw. Viking Seesaw... Honestly, it's probably better than Crash Octopus. I think it's the best it in game, period. The problem with this game was that... So we played two different copies of this game and both copies had some kind of fault, which did affect the game because you are trying to balance out this seesaw effect. It's a boat, which yeah. is why it's a Viking seesaw. And you're everyone is putting something on the high up end of the seesaw, the end in the air, and trying to make it not go down. Uh, and the problem was uh, one of the pieces was one of the men. Uh, so there, there's like two, there was a gem and two different types of ball and yeah. a gold and a silver piece and a man like meeple. Uh, and the meeple was only half there, which made him half as heavy as he should have been. Mm. And the other game, uh, you're supposed to have a little flag that sticks up in the middle. And I don't know how much that affects the weight distribution, but it was broken. So I don't know if that affected our games. None of these were our copies. Our copy Correct. is fine, our actually. Copy is yeah. Fine. <laughs> um, but the really clever thing about this game is that each piece has a different weight. Weight. Yeah. Uh -huh. So even if they're the same material, there'll be different sizes. And if they're a different material, they're a different weight. So for example, there's two metal cubes, silver and gold. And the they gold weigh is much heavier. Yeah, they silver. weigh differently. And the marbles, there's two different kinds of marbles. One's plastic, one's metal, right? The metal one is heavier. And it's a very simple game. You place a piece on the seesaw, right? And if it tilts, you have to take a piece. You have to take one of the cargo, which is in the middle of the seesaw. Yeah, so you don't want it to tilt. Also, anything that falls out, you have to take that as well. And you want to end the game with either the least pieces or just with none pieces, right? Um, and, and that's it. And the only strategy to this game is basically... Do I think it's going to tilt? And if so, shall I place my heaviest piece rather than my lightest piece? Yes. That's it. That's the only strategy in this game. Um, <laughs> you know, when... when uh, so one of the pieces is like a little hair tie, which is your 
circle that you keep your pieces in and when i showed it to you i was like oh look at this viking hair tie and you're like who's is that <laughs> like you thought someone had just left like a random hair tie on the table it's ridiculous but it's a very charming game it's a very little box and it's actually surprisingly fun for it like kind of yeah we'll just you know place things down um it is once again place things to balance things that that's a genre of games we've seen before mm -hmm. but again Kinesia. so just a little bit more thought and care than you might have seen previously if you're not after that kind of thing you're not gonna like it but we liked it we thought it was fun um i think the games are getting a bit more serious on the list from now on yeah a little bit yeah, okay, so this is the last silly game, Viking Seesaw. We had fun, we do recommend it if it's the sort of thing you think you will enjoy. And number six, we have Tiger and Dragon. So Tiger and Dragon is sort of a trick-taking game. It's a climbing shedding game almost, because like in many climbing shedding games, you want to get rid of your cards, you know, from the hand. In each turn, you get to play one card, except, haha, they're not cards, they're... Sort of mahjong like tiles. yeah, mahjong mm. tiles, but without the nice wooden bamboo backing, just mm. just like clacky plasticky mahjong tiles. It is a surprisingly deceptive game in just how simple it is, because the first time we were playing it, I was like, "But where is the game?" You know, and then two thirds in of the way through, oh, it clicked. Right, so there are tiles with numbers one through eight but the number of tiles with each number is equal to that number so there's mm. only one one two twos three threes four fours eight eights and so on and there's also a, uh, they're also color-coded so each i want to say even is a blue and odd is uh, a red and so there's a red tiger? dragon no blue tiger is that that way around i think okay. so I right you. so so those match any of the blue or any of the red tiles right so it's kind of like a joker piece but only for that color so and only for defense no you can attack with them can yeah oh. we find found out you can attack with them. Oh, we played that wrong <laughs> so the idea is that you like let's say i play a free right then the next person down the line has to either pass or play a free very simple right uh, so if they have a free, they play a free. If they don't have a free, they can't play a free. That's it. If you pass, obviously you don't get to put out a tile. And because you want to put out a tile, because you want to get rid of your hand fastest, putting down a tile is good. Not putting down a tile is bad. Here's the trick, right? Um, the game comes alive when you realize there's only three frees, right? So let's say I put down a free. The next person, if they have a free, they could put it down. Or they could realize that if they pass, someone else is probably going to put down their free afterwards and you'll be the only person with a free left. If you play a tile and the turn goes back round to you, everyone passes, you get to put down an extra tile face down so no one knows what the number is. And that's like a big bonus. And also you get like a bonus point, but that bonus point only activates if you win the round. It kind of gets a little weird. And there's a number of different scoring conditions for the round that change from round to round that don't feel that different and the game is very demure but i liked it it's got nice clacky pieces mm. it's got very simple gameplay but a touch more cleverness than you originally give it credit for so i think tiger and dragon is not gonna blow people away but it was nice and it's 
definitely got table presence and it's very teachable it is i like how it had lots of different scenarios too yeah there were there were some that were a bit kind of kookier like where you have to play with one tile face up and if it's the last tile that you play like you end the round with that tile and win you get bonus points you know stuff like that it it, it has its charm and i don't think i don't know if it's gonna win people over but i really liked it and I certainly had like some cool moments in this game. I won two rounds with a one, which immediately wins you the game because winning with a one is incredibly hard. Mm. And I managed only to one one. Yeah, yeah, I managed to do that, that twice, and I only engineered it because a little bit of luck, but also clever play. Uh, you know, kind of thinking a couple of steps ahead. So there's definitely more strategy to that game than I initially gave it credit for, and I had a nice time. And number five, we have White Castle which is a game I played, but you did not. White Castle seemed to be like the darling of our friend group, at least. I think it was the uh, darling, darling of Spiel. Vesson. Yeah, yeah. Spiel. But So I haven't played this, but I've watched the rules mm. tutorial. Uh, is it the case that it's the demure Euro game of, of the convention? Demure? Yeah. You know, like it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't do anything too spectacular, but what it does, it does competently... It does well enough that it's like fine yeah maybe i mean it has an interesting some interesting mechanisms within it like uh so it's some dice placement cool Mm -hmm. uh but you have these little bridges um and you take one of the dice uh, off either end of the bridge uh one end is a higher number and the other end is a lower number but it gives you a bonus based on your cards on your player board so it does a few things really well my biggest issue with it was that it had this what I was calling the seagull track, but I think it's a heron or a crane or something like that, which I couldn't really see the point of. It just gives you points and and allows you some flexibility for turn order, which is fine. And it works in something like Pipeline, Mm. um, but I don't know that it really added much here at all. But I played this very tired, like I played most of these games (laughs) at Spiel, Mm. honestly. Um, and I don't think I got the most out of it that I could have done. Pipeline has a track? Yeah, for for turn order. Oh, where, yeah, where, right, where you, you manipulate can, you can turn manipulate, order. Yes. But, this is, but that's not a track. This is an actual track. This is like you go up as far the track as you can, and the further you are, you get points. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a track of points. Mm. And there's so many things to think about in this game because you're trying to move your little pieces up the track, through the court, into this like area that will score you points uh and you have three different types of pieces you have gardeners and fighters of some kind i don't know what they are uh and then you have just normal people uh and the fighters will get you points based on how many normal people are in the court the gardeners will give you points uh at the end of the rounds and they will all do different things there are so many things to be keeping track of that this track that was literally just point scoring felt superfluous. Felt superfluous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but it is important because I undervalued it because I was like, this is boring. I'm not doing this thing, <laughs> this seagull track. Uh, and then didn't score any points based on it, which there was quite a big swing of points of how many points you could score on that track. So if you got it up to the highest, it was something like 16 points or 20 points, right? So that mm. was quite a big, a big difference. Um but I enjoyed the game, but I just found that bit superfluous. I mean, the 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 thing that looks the most interesting to me in that game is the inno- innovative action selection yes. mechanism, where like you can take a high die 
uh, and that'll likely give you coins. And the coins are useful because if you take a low die and you get a bonus, you have to pay the difference between the number on the action spot where you're yeah. putting it down. Yeah. Uh, like it's 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 like managing whether you take a high die now and get the action that you want with extra coins or then you have to yeah like it looks very constrained like because most of the game is either get resources yeah. or then spend resources to put out these men into yeah. the various spaces to I get mean, that'll not give a new you points thing, right? yeah that's not a new thing yeah. loads of games do that but it does it it does do it well it does it fairly smoothly mm -hmm. um and i think it is the kind of game that you would need a f or i would need a few plays of to understand what everything does and how it works because there are you know three different people types of people to control there's different places on the board that you can go to get different things there are three different no four different types of resources that you're going up tracks and spending and mm. and they all do different things and the actions change right as well because the actions are on cards and once you Yes. Send people to those places where the cards are. You get they to take, take the card, the card yeah. and then replace it with a new card. Yeah. It looks interesting and small, which is kind of good because it's a small box with, uh, a you know, a lot in yeah. it, which uh -huh. I, I am all for. This is the way forward. Small box, lots of game. And number four, we have Come Sail Away. This is the really good game territory now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, all these, the next four games, I think, are pretty good. Come Sail Away was a nice surprise. It's from Sashi and Sashi. It's the biggest Sashi and Sashi box I've ever seen. I don't know if the game really needed that many components. I don't know if the box needed to be that big. Yeah, I mean, they, they are mostly economical with their box uh -huh. size. This was a surprise in how big <laughs> it was. Like, it's, I don't know, it's like nearly a Feast for Odin size. Uh -huh not quite that big but about that big you know in terms of box size the game is not a feast for odin it's <laughs> like it's fairly like i would call it snake the euro game you basically have a cruise ship and you each round you get two cards you pick one of them you'll have some colored meeples on them and then you have to snake these meeples across your ship and the difficulty is that the different colors want to be in different rooms. And so you want to snake them the most efficiently because anytime a color doesn't match the right room, like that, that's an angry passenger. The passenger becomes disgruntled. Negative point mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. um, you can rescue them back though. There is a track that where if you place the passenger with the luggage in the right room, you also get to go up the luggage track. <laughs> exciting. Because the passenger is happy. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I've never been that excited about going up the luggage track. <laughs> and I thought I was doing really well. I thought, I'm going to get to the end of that track. And then you realize there's only 12 rounds in the mm -hmm. game. It's a very quick game. It's like a half hour Euro game. It's like if you took... If you took, oh, uh, what's that game where you move a worker? Uh, what's that game where you move Istanbul? a worker? Istanbul? Is it Istanbul? Is that the name of the game? That you're thinking of? Yes. I don't know. Is there a game called Istanbul? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of Istanbul. Okay. I think. Um, <laughs> you sound sure. Yeah. It feels like that, but with like a third of the rules and all you're doing is you're going, plunk, 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 snake. You don't meeples. have to say snake. I, you, I don't think that's a good idea to say snake sorry, on a boat. I, I am Snakes making it boat. an official house rule. Every time you play some people, you have to say snake. Bonk, 
Oh, and then bump. when you finish, uh, you go, snake. Okay. There we go. <laughs> the only thing I found with this game is it felt a little messy. Uh, because, you know, one of us might have placed all our people really quickly. And then someone else, we were still waiting for them. And because you are passing on the card that you didn't play and you're mm. taking a new one. Um, it was a little bit confusing. Is this the one that you've just passed me or is this the one that I didn't play? Yeah. You know, it was a little bit messy um, and it was the 12 rounds came very, very quickly. It's very sprawling for what it is, yeah. right? There's a lot of components, but it's got some really nice touches. Like rooms only have a certain amount of occupancy, like yes. free meeples, that's it, right? As soon as you fill that room up, it flips. It'll score mm. you points, which is really good. But like every time you put a meeple now on that room, because it doesn't go away. It's not like the space consolidates. It's still there. Like, so you have to start sending passengers to a full room. <laughs> They're like, hello, well, th this is my cabin. No, it's not. Get out. We uh, live here already, right? I like the room that uh, needed one of uh, four different types of passenger. Yeah, that, that was the sitting room. To, yeah, the yeah. sitting room, because they wouldn't they didn't want to be together like with their own kind they didn't yeah. want another one i you know I'm they wouldn't have conversations because it's well, the sitting room yes, right I guess no, so. like i think it's super charming the artwork is very you know it's sashi and sashi so it's got that that kind of charming quality to it um i i really liked it i thought it was a lot of fun i was surprised by how quick it was because of the simultaneous play you're right it feels messy but once you get into the groove of it it's like play a card Bong, 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 pass, mm. play a card, bong, 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 pass. That's a six of the game done. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometimes you can take meeples out the little bath as well. <laughs> it's true. I don't even know how to explain that mechanism. Was it, but was it like a lifeboat? No, what was it? it was I, it dock? No, I it can't It looked like a bath. It, it looked, looked like, like you were taking a meeple out of a bath. <laughs> and that meant you were undisgruntling them. One of the bonuses I, it was it was nice. I know we're describing a fever dream of a cruise ship, <laughs> but like I had fun. It's a good game. I would recommend it. And number three, we have Sky Team. Ooh, th Ooh. this this is like really good game territory now. Uh, so Sky Team, do you want to describe describe Sky Team? Yeah, Sky Team is a cooperative game where you are working together as pilot and co-pilot. To try and land an aeroplane <laughs> by rolling dice. Yeah, uh, little known fact that every time you get on an airplane, this is true for real life, uh -huh. right? Whether it lands or not depends on the last round die roll. Because, <laughs> because you need you need an even plane. So if you if if each of you doesn't roll a four or a three, right? Clearly, the wings are going to be off. Uh -huh. And when you land, you crash. Uh -huh. So every time you get on a plane, just think about that. No, at don't the think end, about that. At the end, the co-pilot and the pilot are going to roll some dice. And whether you crash or not depends on they have the same Why number or not. Why are everyone? <laughs> well, because I think this game is silly thematically. Did you think about this game when we were coming back? Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> it was slightly terrifying. I was like, is that what they do? They also shoot down other airplanes so they get out of the way. What? Well, there's this track that has like these other airplanes, oh, I see. right? And you have to roll dice to take them off. Because I if don't you think don't they're shooting them, Efka. I no. think they're signaling to them that we're in this airspace. Right. I think you need to move out the way. I think that's I thematically what is happening. I was imagining a different game. <laughs> this is no, this is not a fierce game. Okay. Um but it 
and it's not real time. No. So there's not like a timer or anything. You can you can't discuss as you go, but you can discuss before you start rolling. Yes. Um. So you have an opportunity to say, okay, th- th- like what's our plan here? Mm. And some of the spaces you are obligated to both go to. Like for example, like you said, you know, balancing, balancing out the, the wings. Yeah. yeah. Because if you don't balance out the wings, then you're going to tip. Um, and then there are other spaces where you can choose to go. And some of those spaces require a certain number of dice uh, and some of them don't. And you need to balance out not only the, the wings, but at the end, you were in control of the brakes. So I don't quite know how they worked, but you have to get your landing gear down too at the end. Yeah. So at the end of the game, the last round speed has to be lower than the brake value mm. so you you don't have to increase the brake value at all through the course of the game but if if you don't increase you'll have to like have a two like one person has to have a two and another has to have a one or a one and a one right mm. because and then like you need low values elsewhere anyway mm. so like you kind of you kind of want to increase the brake value as you go along but also increases the brake value increases the value at like which point the speed is not doubled or 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 the airplane doesn't move because you have to move the airplane far enough there's so many like little things to juggle and you can discuss things between the rounds but like once you roll the dice you can't talk to each other and so much depends on these dice values that you have to kind of place a die in such a way as to communicate like, hey, we said that this is important, but now you're doing something else. Why are you doing that? What happened with your dice? And yeah. kind of balance that out. I mean, the fact that you can discuss it before you roll the dice is, is quite useful because there were a couple of times when we discussed it, we rolled our dice, and then I, I don't know if it was my turn or your turn to go first, but one of us couldn't do it. Like, clearly couldn't do it because we didn't immediately just place that die there. Mm-hmm. So the other one uh, placed one of their dice in the coffee cup space, which was to make a number higher or lower, one higher or one lower. It didn't wrap around, though, so you couldn't make a six into a one. But it was evident that, like, I don't have the die that I need to go with. So so the other one manipulated that and could help. You know, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was really nice. There's, There's these really cool teamwork moments. The coffee mechanism is just hilarious. Like, yeah, it does let you manipulate the die, but thematically it's like... Well, we've done everything for <laughs> this round. I'm going to go make some coffee or something <laughs> like that, you know. In the plane. In the plane, yeah. Um, no one... I guess it's like taking the time to drink the coffee. But like... I guess. I, I We had, at the end of the game, we've done everything we needed to do. And there was one die left over. So I was just like, well, the plane's landing. I'm going to go get up some... Make some coffee, you know. <laughs> like, Whatever. Uh, it's a very funny game, but it's also a really smart game. Mm. It's two player only, you know, it is not real time. So, but it is kind of roll dice and then try to communicate stuff about your dice. It's got a lot of scenarios. We only played the easiest one. So definitely more words on Sky Team on the future. But there was something about its thematic integration and how easy it was to play and how self-contained the idea is and how you have to shoot down airplanes that are in the way. No, again. (laughs) No. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. At number two, we have the same game. What? Sky Team? Funny. Funny. When I went to pick up this game, 
someone in front of me in the queue said, could I have whatever game it was? It wasn't this game. It was a different game. And the person, you know, gave them the game. And then I walked up and said, can I have the same game? And they tried to give me that game. I was like, no. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then the other person on the booth was like, no, they want the same game. (laughs) The same game. Do you know that (laughs) there are, in fact, two board games? I've heard on board game geek <laughs> that are listed as the same game but they are not the, the same, same game. game that is confusing do you want to tell us about the same game yeah so this is from wolfgang wash um who you'll be familiar with from such games as quacks of quedlinburg or wavelength games and we have enjoyed games we have enjoyed and are good i i think this is his best game than quacks i think it's better than quacks Uh, okay so it's a different speed than quacks it's a lot more like if if these are the two kind of polar i guess no so you have taverns of tiefenthal that's the most euro game of wolfgang watch and like wavelength is the most party game right so this is more towards wavelength than it is towards taverns of tiefenthal but there it's it's definitely a party game but it's a good party game it's like it's you know kind of code names level i think that mm, that yeah. kind of game um which is really good i really enjoyed it it's very hard to describe the idea so when we, the reason it's called the same game is because it's not the same game it's the same game mm-hmm. um and the idea is that each of you have an object and a category assigned to that object but the categories are things like length or, you Importance know, for humanity or, you know, volume or frequency in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Stuff like that. Right. So let's say I get like um, PS5 is my object. Right. And then I get a category like volume. Right. Uh, but there's also all these other categories like price or frequency in the world or length or you know importance to humanity like you said so my job in this entire game is to communicate which category the ps5 corresponds to that i've randomly drawn so let's say i've drawn what a length did i say yeah let's say length right you said volume volume okay let's say volume right so the way i do that is by writing down any other existing object that has the same volume as a ps5 but doesn't correspond to any of the other categories right Mm. and depending on how well i write that down you know because i could write down like xbox s or whatever and i don't know if the same the same volume or whatever but it would be a terrible clue because the price is going to be similar uh importance for humanity is probably yeah intended use yeah right that would be very confusing that would be very confusing so i have to come up with something that is the same volume but like totally different you know usage, in, in usage yeah. in all other categories or whatever so i could come up with like a feast for odin you know i and maybe you know the similar volumes <laughs> but even intended use is to play a game right so that's already confusing <laughs> so it's it's a weird game uh, but the way that it works is that when it's my turn to give this clue i have to have everyone close their eyes I flip the token that corresponds to my category, like, because there's a number token. But then I put cups, and there's these nice, like... Shot glasses. Shot glass cups, right? I put cups over all the categories, right? And then people 
take off cups that they think is the wrong category yes. so they don't, don't actually want to guess my category they want to eliminate all the other ones and i think that one specific rule is kind of what makes the game because you take them off one by one and as long as you don't pick the right category you're doing better and better and better because yeah, those cups that you take off go on the score track yes and that's how many points you will score exactly right and i don't know this is something really charming about that because it's not like this immediate like oh you win or oh you lose but more like oh bit by bit you know and then the tension rises and people are constantly discussing i think it's what makes the game and it's really really nice it's also coming up with the clue that that was really really daft uh one of my words was scythe and my category was intended use mm. and i thought oh my gosh what i know what a scythe is it's like a farming implement uh how what what else has like intended use but doesn't have the same like volume or frequency in the world or blah and i couldn't think of anything and then i thought wait scythe is also a board game mm. <laughs> what can i do for that so I, I did that instead so it's thinking about what that how you can use that word yeah. to your advantage in some way it was it was very funny i had toilet brush yeah you and did. i came up with microscope because my category was <laughs> length and i thought they couldn't be two more different objects no but they're about the same we were length like, it's not intended use <laughs> and there was one that was i don't remember what it was but we said no it can't be that because a toilet brush has fluff on the end of it and a microscope <laughs> doesn't like it was very silly yeah it's just a lot of fun it's quite quick uh it's very charming the artwork on it is lovely yeah. the design is what you expect from wolfgang wash really um it, it works really really well it's a very social communal game um it, it sort of transcends that party game boundary in the same way that Codenames does because it feels like it feels more than just like your average party game mm. it's it's very social and very discussion based and it gets the entire table involved i think a lot of people will enjoy the same game i think it might be a hit uh it's really good our number one game that we played this essence spiel was infiltrators spelt with an i i mean it's always spelt with an i no otherwise it would be unfiltrators or funny funny you know what i mean it, the word traitors it's traitors not like because infiltrators the traitors part doesn't have an i normally Traitor, in the word yeah. this this has an eye i'm just clarifying so people can actually find the game i see <laughs> this is such a good game i think i don't know if there's like hype around it or whatever i think people should pay attention to you know, infiltrators i think this is so good uh and i had such a blast playing it you played it twice didn't you i did um it's was it as good both times yes. yeah yeah I said to you, you need to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was blown away. So in some ways, this isn't like anything new. It's a deduction card game, a cooperative deduction card game, where much like, say, something like in The Crew, like, I think this is better than The Crew. Like, honestly, much like something in The Crew, you need to, like, figure out information to succeed, right? About a card or whatever, or what, what, what your partners have in their but it's not in their hands it's so hard to describe 
No, you have, uh, so on your turn, you can take a suspect and put it in front of you. So it's facing you and the back of it is facing everyone else. So they know you have a card, but they do not know what is on that card. You know what's on that card, but they do not. And then they have to try and guess what that card is by placing a card, giving you a card, and you either put it uh, horizontally, which means nothing corresponds to what I have on my card, or you put it vertically, which means something corresponds to what I have on my card in front of me. This is the clever part as well, because when you say corresponds, it's either the card's suit, so it could be like green or yellow or black or red or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think there's like an extra suit in higher level scenarios. Yes. Um, or the number that you've put down on the card that you're like putting down as a clue The number on the hidden card is divisible? Yeah, each card has a certain number of smaller numbers that are divisible by the big number. And so if it's any of the ones, either the big one or the... It can't be the big one because there is only one of each type of card. Um, Or it could be if it was a different suit, actually. That's, That's false. But yeah, if it's either the big number or any of the little numbers then you place it vertically to say something corresponds. Yeah, so let's say you have a green free. Mm. So the card will be green, it will have a free, but next to that free, it will also have free, six, nine, nine 12. twelve. I don't know if there's a 15. I think there's a 15, yeah. Yeah, it'll have a 15 as well, right? So if the hidden card that the person is holding is, say, a nine, then if you put down a free, this will count as like a valid clue. Mm. Because what it's saying is that the hidden card is divisible by the card that you just put down. And that's a weird concept to wrap your head around when I'm describing it over a podcast. But when you see it visually, it's so obvious. It's It's such a clear concept. uh, And it's very easy to explain, surprisingly, when you see the cards in front of you. Yeah, I'm, Uh, I'm not that great at maths, but it didn't confuse me. Yeah. Uh, And so every time someone puts down a card, like you're kind of eliminating information um, about what that card could be. And the really clever part is that you could put down a card as a clue yourself for your own card. And it's like, basically you're saying, you dum-dums, you're not thinking (laughs) about this ride. Like this is what you need to pay attention to. And it's such a cool moment. And you only have a certain number of guesses throughout the yeah. game and you need to guess a certain number of cards, right, to win. Uh, but the cool thing about it is like when you kind of, let's say, get it down to 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's it could be two possible cards. And then the person next to you, because you can't like discuss about what you have in your hands. The person next to you goes, I'm going to guess. And you go, what the are you doing? You horrible, horrible person. We narrowed it down to 50-50 and you're just going to take a shot, right? What's happening? And then you realize, wait a minute, no, no, no. They have something in their hand that's telling them it can't be the other card. That situation actually happened because I was like, okay, I I know, I'm going to guess. Yeah. And you were like, why? Why are you doing this? And then I was like, because I can't say anything. Uh, but because I had that card in my hand. So if the, I don't remember what the 50-50 was, but we knew the suit uh, and it was between, say, 5 and 15. And yeah. I had the 15 in my hand. And because there is only one card of each suit number, number yeah. in that suit, I knew it had to be the 5. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's super clever like that. And also, every time you kind of eliminate certain numbers, some of them go to like this shared board, which means nothing can ever be these cards. Yes. 
because they're already on display. They're not available in the circulation of cards. So you know it can't be those. So there's this like nice ramping up of information because, and the, again, this is the genius part. Multiple people can have hidden cards. You're not just guessing one mm, person's yeah. card. Anyone can draw a suspect that needs to be eliminated and and you can guess about multiple people's things. So by eliminating one person's number, you're suddenly getting information about other people's numbers. And there's like some real clever interplay in that that's happening. And there's so many just these cool brainwave moments that you get <laughs> in this game that are like, oh, but if I do this, I eliminate the honest and things are happening sometimes it's a it's a 50 50 in your head of okay i'm gonna play this card and either it will tell me a lot of information or it will tell me nothing yeah because either you will eliminate all of these numbers or you won't yeah and and that's cool that's that's interesting i think in terms of cleverness this game is as clever as the crew but in terms of fun. like fun and explaining this game to other people it's much easier and so what you have is a game that's more accessible than the crew, but just as crunchy and brainwavy as the crew. And I, I like I, there's something there. There's something really, really cool happening there. And I think a lot of people should try it. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it a lot. The only thing was that on the lower scenarios, on the basic scenarios that we played, uh, we did end up in a situation where there were loads of bullets left so because uh, i think you have a spare two or three bullets um that you could guess and it wouldn't be right um and we ended up with like loads of these like three or whatever and so we could just take a shot you know mm. at the end and go well i think it's this and if it's a 50 50 it doesn't matter because if i get it wrong there's another one but i think that wouldn't happen in the more difficult scenarios because i think it would be more down to the knuckle well the thing is if you shoot and you shoot the wrong suspect don't you like eliminate the card entirely or something like that i think i think you can't guess about that card anymore you have to start over that's so, not how we played it. Okay. But we did play it slightly wrong anyway. We played it on like a harder mode because we put all the cards face down. Right. Rather than having some face up. So we had some open information. We put them all face down. So maybe we got it slightly wrong. But yeah. no, that's not how we played it. I, th I think definitely the starting scenario is a touch on the e easy side. But there's enough scenarios there yeah. where you can really ramp up the difficulty. My only complaint about it. Uh, was that there is a physical cardboard gun prop and when you're meant to like eliminate a target when you're guessing basically is this this card you're meant to take the gun and point it at the person suspect. at the suspect and all our american friends immediately went no but none of us played it like that. Yeah. Like I said, I am not comfortable doing that. So we just mm. sort of put a finger on it just to say, this is what I'm doing. It yeah. was just like to, to be like, I'm going to do this now. And then everyone can go, no. Uh, or yeah, okay. You know, it was just to signify that you were going to do it. But nobody actually picked up that gun because that was iffy. Yeah. Well, that's that's the one thing I would say about this game that's a little iffy, but you can you can play it without pointing the thing just be aware of that is what i would say otherwise stellar game honestly really really cool design want to play more infiltrators right now we can because it's two player two to four 
I don't know if it's good at two. I guess we'll, we'll find see. out. We'll see. We'll see. In a future podcast slash maybe video to come. And that's all the games we played at Essen Spiel. But wait, no, they're not all the games because <gasps> there's more games in the bonus episode, which you can have access to if you become a supporter on Patreon. Patreon.com slash included will give you access to a bunch of bonus episodes of this podcast. Every time we release an episode, we release a bonus episode. In this bonus episode, we're going to talk about more games from Essen Spiel. These ones are not commercially available, but... We talk about four, and three of them are very good. They're all trick takers, so it's oops, all trick takers, I guess. But uh, but yeah, there some of them are, you know, cool. They're very cool. They're very cool. You want to hear about them? If you're into games, you want to know about the cool trick takers. Patreon.com/slash no pun included. If you have anything to say about any of the games that we've spoken about, don't forget to drop me an email, Elaine at no pun included. Thank you so, so much for listening. And at this point, I would normally ask you, Efka, what is the game of the episode? Easy, El Grande. And with that, why don't you say goodbye, El Grande? No, wait, that's wrong. Goodbye, El Grande. Oh, wait, no, that's wrong. Goodbye, El Grande. Oh, wait, no, that's wrong. <laughs>